Welcome, everyone. Just a quick note that today's episode is a rerun because I currently have COVID for the first time, uh, thankfully. We avoided it for two and some amount of years, but had made peace with the inevitability of it long ago. It it, it has been strange, though, because we're basically reliving lockdown, but alone this time. We're in self-isolation, but the rest of the world is carrying on like normal. It's kind of like those very rare instances when I stay up all night, and it feels like an extraordinary event, but the next day, no one else knows or cares, and it's just going about their lives as though something extraordinary hadn't just happened. Adding to the strangeness of the experience, we had groceries delivered for the first time. We never even did that during lockdown. And it may have been the most dystopian experience I've had since lockdown. Not that there's anything wrong with having things delivered, but not being able to open the door while the carrier transferred groceries into boxes that we had left in the hallway was very strange. And there's even some sort of that frosted, distorted glass, you know, like you'd see in a bathroom or something like that, uh, that is between our apartment and the hallway. And so I could actually see a shadowy figure moving behind a sort of veil, providing us with our sustenance. It was like an art installation of the life of an Amazon warehouse worker or something, but very disconcerting. And thinking back to lockdown, the most important lesson we learned was to go easy on ourselves. So that's what we're doing now. There's little to no urge to power through the sickness that we're feeling and get work done or anything like that. And and to be honest, feeling like we were back in lockdown, but then occasionally remembering that the world outside is continuing as normal has a sort of um, disassociating effect. I don't even know if that's the right word. I'm having trouble wrapping my mind around what I mean by it. Other than that I keep being reminded of scenes in films where the main character has had one very distinct experience that baffles everyone else. So think like Dorothy returning from Oz or Scrooge realizing it's Christmas morning or Jimmy Stewart and it's a wonderful life realizing he's not dead anymore. And all these characters re-enter the real world and try to explain their experience only to be met mostly with blank stares and confusion because no one else has gone through what they had. And that's kind of what it feels like to have to lock down for COVID right now, though it's an extremely imperfect analogy because, of course, we're not the only ones doing it. You know, millions are, are doing it right now or have done it, et cetera, et cetera. I understand. But, you know, we're not doing it in a synchronized fashion the way we all did the first time where it was, you know, top of the news and uh, was the only thing anyone could think about or talk about. I think the analogy is exhausted. But the point is that I'm having a hard time distinguishing between what is of interest to me versus the outside world, sort of like those movie characters. I don't know if the rerun episode I've chosen will have any appeal. My hope is that it's a timeless message that is worthwhile beyond the moment in which it was recorded mid-April 2020. But you may find yourself, sort of like the citizens of Pottersville, uh, kind of befuddled by George Bailey's renewed sense of holiday cheer, except that in my case, it's a renewed interest in work, burnout, and self-care in a time of COVID. But I guess we'll find out. 
So as I said, Amanda and I recorded this in April 2020, and the lessons contained within are exactly why I am not rushing myself to get back into production mode until these COVID symptoms are really and truly under control. So now, enjoy the fog of work. Welcome, everyone, to another of our irregular podcasts for irregular times here on Best of the Left. Amanda's with me. Hey there. And we, we've got some, some quotes and some clips to share, but uh, we're, we're talking about the mental stress that we're all experiencing, but the, the specific uh, element of that, mo- mostly about the... I mean the drain, the 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 yeah, mental the taxation, but sort of the the loss of being able to do what you normally could do, <laughs> and and the, and the sort of fog that that creates. That has been my specific experience. So uh, you know we're going to be talking about our own experience, and but as I said, you know pulling quotes uh, and, and some clips from elsewhere. So uh, to start, I, I would just say that. Um, it was just after, I mean, we, we already talked a little bit about mental taxation. Yeah, we have. Yes. We, we, d- we did a little bonus episode about that. And my experience with that. <laughs> that was what, a year ago? I uh, Approximately. Yeah. My experience with that was, I think that was actually a short one. I think we, it was like 20, <laughs> 25 minutes. Yeah, yeah. And I had to take a nap immediately after. Mm-hmm. I, I was like, I okay, I'm spent. I'm completely spent. <laughs> and then when I actually went to post the show, I mean, there's a lot, I mean, there are several elements that go into taking a recorded show or as the normal show, you know, a collection of clips, like, you know, editing it together or cleaning it up or doing the notes page. You know, there's just like a lot of little, little, little fiddly bits, yeah, a little bit that, that go into it. And my, my experience with posting that show was, I, well, and all of them since then, but that's when I really uh, felt it is it felt like I was on a drug. It felt like I was, I had taken Advil PM mm-hmm. and then someone had to me fight through it. <laughs> yeah. Like, like yeah. So, someone said, here's some, uh, you know, math equations to solve <laughs> yeah. and an Advil PM. Good luck. Ooh, I should make that a reality show. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so I, I was, I was grateful to learn that I was not alone in this. And so I wanted to share with you many of the ways that, uh, that I, I learned that, you know, I, I wasn't alone. And then, of course, articles started being written that uh, that we'll talk about. Yeah, but yeah, but specifically in the podcast world. It, exactly. So, mm-hmm. so here, first, just check out a couple of these clips. Um, we'll we'll start easy. This this is like simple, the least surprising thing I could have imagined. Uh, this is a show specifically about the coronavirus that announced uh, we're exhausted or we got to put the show on hold. And while we're typically in your feed on Tuesdays and Thursdays, we're exhausted from covering COVID-19 and living through this pandemic. So we're going to take a step back to recharge and rethink the show to make the best possible show for this time. We hope to be back soon. So pretty straightforward. And I believe, I think I just heard today that their their update was they're probably not coming back. Yeah. I mean, that's got to be... Yeah, oh, and yeah. it's a daily show, isn't it? No, no, no. It was, it, but they were—I mean—they were trying to do a couple of couple of episodes a week. 
specifically on coronavirus, mm-hmm. which is incredibly fast moving and right, like right. trying to. Yeah, I was noticing typos in the New York Times. Everyone's just like racing forward when trying to cover this. Yeah, it's really difficult. Yeah, so I, I think I think they said you know keep keep the feed live, but we're going to be maybe suggesting other shows that you listen to. So that, that was it was a. It was a great show. You know, they mm-hmm. put out about 10 episodes on coronavirus and I listened to it and liked it and used a couple of clips, but not at all surprising. Yeah. But this, uh, I have a couple more clips that are in a different category. They're not people announcing that they're tired. These are actually people demonstrating <laughs> that they're tired. Yeah. So, so th- this one is from the weeds and uh, I will specify we're not making fun of these. Yeah. We're clips. not calling people out. We're not calling people out. This is just like. We're all in this together. Right? This, this is this is a show of solidarity. Yeah. Uh, so so the, yeah. Listen to this clip from the weeds. You hear that Amazon needs more people to work at the warehouse. You start doing that, and then you know, next thing you know, like that's your job. Um, seems very plausible. I mean, that seems like a big kind of social indicator to to keep an eye on. And hopefully, this time around, somebody will actually see the record. So I know what you thought. You were trying to listen to what he was saying and thought like, oh, what's this guy going to say that's demonstrating how tired he is? No, no, no. The the recording of the people talking was perfectly fine. There was nothing right. wrong with it. When the, when the music jumps in, what that tells me as a podcast producer is that they have a template for their show mm-hmm. that has the outro music built into it. It's already there so that when they need to place it at the end of the show – it's already in the file and it just got left somewhere in the middle of the show yeah. and they were having a norm- normal conversation. And then the outro music comes in full blast, right. obviously accidentally again, not making fun. No, no. It's just like, this is where we are right now. <laughs> that, that, that is what happens mm-hmm. when people try to work while in a mental fog. Yeah. That is and exactly yes. the kind of mistake that I would expect to make myself. Right. Right. And and then the, the last one is uh, similar, similar category, and yet still yet another <laughs> category of of exhaustion. So uh, this is from the Brian Lehrer Show podcast feed, and they had you know a post that was titled and you, you know explained what it was all, all about, just like you would expect any podcast episode, and. Uh, you may have even you may be subscribed to this show and still have not heard what I'm about to play for you because what they posted was not the correct audio. Mm-hmm. They literally took a different audio file that was never meant to be public and put it in the podcast feed again, undoubtedly due to exhaustion, stress. mental fatigue, stress, kids jumping around your shoulders while you're trying to edit a podcast (laughs) exactly something like that okay starting when was today do we have today or what do do you know what we start with don't have today oh to be safe okay Uh, zoe every day is so like every other day right now that even your calendar savant host does not know what day it is let me think about this for a second (laughs) oh it's april 3rd right Yeah, it, it is. Here we go. <clears throat> it's Friday, April 3rd. 4th, 5th. It's Monday, April 6th. It's Tuesday, April 7th. It's Wednesday, April 8th. It's Thursday, April 9th. It's Friday, April 10th. 11, 12. 
It's Monday, April 13th. So again, as a podcast producer, I completely understand what happened. The the producer obviously just pulled the wrong audio file. Maybe it was mislabeled. Maybe it was in the wrong folder. Trying to reorganize your life to be doing something from home that you used to do at work. And, you know, any any number of things could have gone into that uh, combined with just the standard uh mental fatigue but and, and then that one was particularly interesting because it gave a little like peek behind the curtain of <laughs> of how they produce a show turns out he doesn't uh, record the introductory date every day they just do weeks <laughs> in advance so um more efficient more efficient uh, yeah so i mean again it, it's sort of you know you you've probably heard this a lot but i think it's the sort of thing that is comforting to hear a lot. Yeah. So you'll hear yeah, because it. when you make a mistake, which you inevitably will, because I totally have, Jay totally has, everyone has and or will, <laughs> you should not beat yourself up um, about it because everyone is doing this. Yeah. So the, I, I just feel like the more times you hear it from people like us, professional, you know, radio producers to, you know, literally uh Everyone is experiencing something along these lines, mm-hmm. and some some people's errors are more public than others. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, oh. And I, I mean, I, I think I mentioned at the top. I mean, I the error that I'm aware of is that I mislabeled a show, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, put the wrong number on it, and that was because my save files were jumbled right. because I created one, forgot about it, and then recreated the same one. Mm-hmm. But thinking that it was the next, so I skipped the number. But like that's yeah. exactly yeah. what uh, you know what's going to happen in in a time like this. Uh, so uh, and mistakes happen anyway. I guess we should just say like it's part of being human. <laughs> but but yeah, it's just going to happen more. Yeah, <laughs> in yeah. ways that you never expected. <laughs> exactly, and and so and then and, you know and j- just for me, you know, I've I've touched on this you know a few times in the past that. Uh, so fogginess is what I'm, what I'm experiencing the majority of days when I'm actually publishing episodes. That's when it really kicks into overdrive. That's when it, like I'm really confronted with my fogginess. But the other day I had a feeling that I've, I've had before, but it happens, you know, spaced far enough apart that it takes a while to, like click is what it was yeah. where I, what I, what I described was that I was feeling uncomfortable physically, which I think a lot of us are, you yeah. know, we're, st- we're stuck at home. We don't get out as much as we need. We don't exercise it enough and uh, all the just sort of normal walking around things we would be doing. So like feeling physically uncomfortable, is pretty normal, but I was feeling mentally uncomfortable. I was mm-hmm. like, I just, I, I can't get comfortable in my body or mind. Yeah. And it took about half the day to realize, oh, right, that's depression. That, yeah. That's what that feeling is. And uh, and you're familiar with situational depression. That's something that you kind I, of figured out a while ago. Yeah, yeah. I, I Gradually over the years, I figured out that seasons can do it for me. Uh, last time I went to Las Vegas <laughs> was when I figured out that my personal situation can cause depression. And yeah. so I, yeah, Environment. I, yeah. I, I, I told my mom that I was feeling depressed while in Vegas and she's the one who said, Oh yeah, I call that situational depression. Yeah. Yeah. I have no just, idea if it's like an actual clinical term. That's just what we call it. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So 
but but just one day. Mm-hmm. Turns out, I don't know. I I, mm-hmm. I was feeling depressed one particular yeah. day. I this think week. it's going to be up and down, right? I think with all of yeah. us, we're going to have good days. We're going to have bad days. And that's definitely exactly what I see happening. Exactly, and 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 so that this is colliding with an issue that we have probably talked about before. I may have made episodes about it, and I'm not recalling, but millennials have been called the burnout generation yes. because in normal times we've been pushing ourselves way too hard to do trying to do way too much um i i talked last year about how for for a decade i ran this show on absolute minimal vacation time yeah because i felt like i needed to i felt like i had mm-hmm. to it just i i didn't i didn't see how doing something other than that would be seen as good enough yeah. by people to uh, to still think this show is worth supporting. Yeah. And so I thought, like, I just have to put everything into it. And that's the culture we live in. I mean, like, that's just the result, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So so w- w- the first of a couple of articles we want to talk about is called Stop Trying to Be Productive, mm-hmm. which brings in this well-known cultural uh, fact about particularly millennials, but, you know, it obviously expands beyond just our generation and and then puts that in the time we are living through in, in the time of coronavirus. Yeah. And this is, um, there was a really great article, I think it was in BuzzFeed a couple of years ago, specifically about millennials, but it also just commented on American culture, work culture, um, why we are the burnout generation and it oh it made so much sense it kind of i think for jay and i both it kind of was like oh this is why it's hard to do like simple tasks like that aren't work focused like all of this pressure to have your entire life be revolving around your career etc etc so you take that and then you crank up the stress right so there's this outside force And then, of course, um, you know, we're told by everybody, hey, do something really amazing with this time that you've been given. This is a gift. And, you know, um, that's basically what this article was was touching on. So one piece of this article that stood out was um, was this quote. It's tough enough to be productive in the best of times, let alone when we're in a global crisis, says Chris Bailey, a productivity consultant and the author of Hyperfocus, How to Manage Your Attention in a World of Distraction. The idea that we have so much time available during the day now is fantastic, but these days it's the opposite of a luxury. We're home because we have to be home and we have much less attention because we're living through so much. So that may be obvious to some, that's kind of the but that's just kind of the the general feeling of what we're going through, right? It's It seems like we've been given, maybe you've been given three hours a day because you don't commute anymore. And you're like, what should I do with all of that time? And, you know, the article even interviewed a woman who was trying to sit down and write down exactly how she should use that time and make sure that every single minute was maxed out because we've all been told we're supposed to write the next King Lear and, you know, come up with the great business idea and like maximize. And and I don't know how many people are familiar with this a, f- a while ago, like maximizing was a thing that was finally identified. Um, and there are maximizers, right, in general in life. But now everyone is feeling the pressure of having to maximize when we're really just exhausted <laughs> and don't have the ability to do anymore. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it, people, a lot of people started with the premise that we were all being given forced vacations. Right. 
And so then you imagine, okay, like how would I use my time if I was forced to have either free time because I can't work or I'm working from home. So that means that I can, you know, carve out some different areas of free time and tackle projects or, or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's taken, you know, a couple of weeks, but a lot of people are figuring out, oh, that was never going to be the case. That that was wrong to even imagine that that was going to be what this is like, because we have such a difficult time uh, conceptualizing what it's going to feel like to be under constant stress, mm-hmm. strain, mm-hmm. feelings of fear and uncertainty lingering in the backs of our minds all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And then we also live a relatively compartmentalized life, like most people, right? You have work, work people, it's at this building, somewhere else, you have home life, family life, you maybe have, you know, when you have to interact with, I don't know, like your kids' school stuff, that's like another place and another environment. Um, and now all of these things are converging together. There is no compartmentalized, there certainly isn't any me time unless you like, really strive to make that time and it can be incredibly difficult. So yeah, the, the, the idea that we're all just sitting around and everything's, you know, just, everyone's just waiting for that creativity to strike. Like that's, that's not what's going on. So the other piece of this article that I thought was good is that I like when the New York times references more, uh, progressive publications anyway. So I'll give a shout out here. Um, quote, this urge to overachieve, even in times of global crisis is reflective of America's always on work culture. In a recent article for the new Republic, the journalist Nick Martin writes that quote, this mindset is the natural endpoint of America's hustle culture. The idea that every nanosecond of our lives must be commodified and pointed toward profit and self-improvement. Drew Millard put it more directly in an essay for The Outline, one of our new favorite publications. Uh, If you're lucky enough to be employed, the only person who cares what you're doing right now is your boss. So, you know, and then and there's more, obviously, about kind of focusing on um, millennials uh, in general, because there's kind of just this separate cultural, it's just work culture is a little different for millennials, um, and finally, the last piece that I thought really stood stood out was they interviewed, you know, just somebody, some normal person who's dealing with all of this. And they said, uh, quote, it feels like you're underwater. And I think that that is what I've been, I've been waiting for that phrase that really puts the imagery around what we're going through. And that, that is totally what it is. I feel foggy. I'm kind of moving slowly. <laughs> um, it's, it's like being doing my normal life in an alternate universe of some kind. Yeah, and, and it it's uh, a well known fact. It's hard to do household tasks or projects while underwater. Right, like, it is difficult. Like if even if you have a pool, like you'd never <laughs> think let let's tackle that project we were thinking about in the pool. In you the just pool. wouldn't do that. No, you wouldn't. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so I, I, one last clip, uh, on this topic, um, Andy Zoltzman from the bugle and the last post, uh, had this to say about, um, his, his sort of advice about, uh, how to use your time. Your guest today was Mr. Andrew Zoltzman. Andy, have you got anything to plug? Hey, I've got a new book out that you can download or just, uh, 
you know, write out longhand. Uh, it's entitled <laughs> 101 Things to Partially Do in Your Home During a Lockdown. <laughs> um, and it's just all the things to do around the house that you can make a bit of a start at, but then not quite get done when you realise you don't really have the skills or the, or the tools or the materials or the effort, really, to, to actually finish it. But it's got a, a lot of really good starts to well-meaning projects. So I, I think that pretty well pretty well nails the the feeling a lot of people are having, yeah. uh, myself included. I, I may have said publicly on the show, uh, definitely said privately, that in the very early days, because the, the, the news was so fast and the story was so big, I felt like maybe what actually needs to happen is my production schedule needs to be ramped up in order to handle it mm -hmm. from a news perspective. And that's obviously what that show that you played the clip from at the beginning felt as well. <laughs> hey, yeah. we got to lean into this. This is, this is big. And, and, and yeah. And, and they, they didn't just do like a weekly show that was, they were trying to do right. twice weekly. So, um, but I, I held myself back. I thought that may not turn out well. Yeah. If, if I try to ramp up at a time when, I've I've done enough uh, sort of self-examination over the past few years to know what is my real capacity. Yes. And, uh, you know, how, how much help do I need versus how much can I do on my own? How many shows can I reasonably put out? And I just thought like, okay, this is not the time to experiment with, <laughs> no. with doing more. But it crossed my mind. It, yeah. It, it really yeah. did. So, and I could see why. And, and and now, with the benefit of hindsight, I am very grateful that I thought that wouldn't work out because I feel like I can the the, the current schedule. I mean, if if you haven't been following closely, we're doing one real, fully produced, uh, extended length, mm -hmm. best of the left curation show, and one conversational yeah the, what we've been reading what we've been uh, experiencing. You know, experiencing with a few clips thrown in so it's sort of a one and a half uh, per week episode schedule and and this is manageable yeah but but it's still <laughs> it's you know intense because everything is everything feels intense <laughs> it, but it, yeah it's, it's it's still intense and and keeping up with the news is i mean that is my full-time task is yeah. listening to all the podcasts about all the angles and perspectives and uh, analysis of, of what we're living through. So it's, it's an interesting balance to try to consume all of that without, uh, you know, tipping over into perpetual anxiety or, yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Cause, cause the reality is we're just trying to survive. That's, that's what everyone's trying to do. And actually this, um, past week i've been in touch with a friend who um you know we're just kind of checking in with each other as she's pregnant she's about to give birth you know like literally any day now and i cannot imagine what it is like to be um knowing you're going to go into a hospital <laughs> setting and there's really no way around it um that seems terrifying to me and so i've been checking in with her and seeing how she's doing and she is she's been very honest about how she's feeling and I'm glad I think that's what we all need to do right now. If someone asks you how you are and you're not okay. Don't say that you're okay because like we all have to be there for each other. And so she's, she has been very candid about it. And so she said that, you know, it, 
I guess her mom asked her, have you guys found your new rhythm yet? Like your new normal, you know, you got your schedule down or something. And she's like, absolutely not. (laughs) Not even close. Like we are in survival mode all the time. And she's got a one-year-old son already there. She and her husband are both working from home and she's about to give birth any day now. And so, uh, and they don't have any support near them, like no family or anybody that they can depend on. So they're really trying to figure things out and, uh, you know, their rules have changed at different hospitals, but there was, you know, suspicion for a while that they may not be able to be together in the delivery room, that uh, her husband would have to stay outside, that she'd be in there on her own. I mean, just a lot of really intense stuff. Luckily, this isn't her first time. I feel terribly for for people who it's their first time giving birth in this kind of environment. But um, and so she, you know, she just told me how it is that they're just like trying to get through every hour of the day, each day at a time. And she said, though, um, if you're curious, if I'm scared, no, I'm not in terms of about going to the hospital and giving birth at during this time, she said, you know, the baby's got to come out and I got to go do this. And so I'm just looking at it as this is, this is something I got to do and I'm going to be okay. And we're preparing as much as we can. And she's basically in kind of this, I don't even know what the word is. I I almost wanted to say a stoic mindset for a second, but that's not, that's not, (laughs) that's not really it. But, um, that there is something about knowing that this is what has to be done that is keeping her from like falling into the fear, I guess. Yeah, no, I, I think, I think that's right. And when, when you told me that story originally, I thought immediately of one thing that I have heard in, you know, somewhere amongst all of my listening and it, um, I, I, I don't have it. I don't know where it came from. I don't think it's part of a clip that I pulled, but it was a psychologist or someone very much like that was was trying to alleviate people's stress in a variety of ways and and one of them was that you shouldn't feel stressed about the potential that you will not be able to handle a situation in the future if things get particularly bad for you mm-hmm. and her reasoning was that you everyone is far more capable of handling uh, either, you know, a disaster or, you know, a, a moment of upheaval, you know, yeah, like particular, uh, you know, danger or something like that. Then, then we think we are. And the example she gave was a pretty brutal one, but she said that sort of the evidence we can point to that some of the most stark evidence is that, the the calls the voicemails mm-hmm. left by people in the twin towers on 911 to yeah. their loved ones mm-hmm. are maybe not universally but many of them are incredibly um like clear of mind and- c- yes they they are very clear thinking mm-hmm. and uh they know what is happening they know what is about to happen and they have the the frame of mind to know I need to call my loved ones mm-hmm. now and get in touch or leave a message. And the point is that if they, in that moment of all moments, 
can have that level of mental clarity, then it stands to reason that just about any average person is going to be able to react very similarly. Mm -hmm. And so when you told me that our friend like came out and specifically said like, no, no, I am not scared. That is not the feeling I am having. I thought, Oh, of course. I mean, (laughs) she, she, she doesn't say things are easy. She doesn't say I'm doing well. She says things are really bad. We're really struggling. I'm about to give birth in the middle of a pandemic and no, I am not scared because basically it was like, I don't really have time to be scared. I, I got too much to deal with and yeah. organize and sort through. No, and she, like, was, she was basically like, let's get in, let's get out and get back to our quarantine life. <laughs> yeah. Like th- this is what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So fear has no place right. in that. Right. And you know, fear is, you're very- not given a choice. It does, you know, there's no, usually when, yeah. when things come down to it, you got to just go through the storm. Yeah. So, and, and, and so, you know, a lot of fear is about the unknown. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times that's legitimate. But if, if what you fear is something may happen and I won't be able to deal with it. Yeah. There's a lot of evidence to say you should let go of that particular stress mm-hmm. because you will, mm-hmm. you will be able to deal with it. This is, you know, it's, it's a level of sort of instinctual, uh, brain function that we don't have to harness very often. Right. Almost no one has to harness it almost ever. Um, but it's there. It's still mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and speaking of, of the incredible human brain, <laughs> obviously, you know, we're talking about fear and everyone has heard of fight or flight uh, syndrome, but um, there's actually a third component to that. It's fight, flight, or freeze now is what they say, because yes, there are people that get angry when they're afraid and under stress. There are people who run away from their problems um, when they're under stress or threatened. Um, but then there's the, there's this kind of like, I mean, maybe it's a middle ground of some sort where people just shut down and um, you know, kind of like a deer in headlight situation. But um that can actually be more dangerous because then nobody around them knows exactly how they're feeling or exactly what's going on. They just completely clam up and, and freeze. And so the, the, we're all human. So it's kind of comforting to know that we all have these kind of like hardwiring <laughs> aspects to our, to how we react. And I've actually been just feeling much more compassionate to people who, um, who are getting really angry. Um, for instance, even, you know, people who get mad at a grocery store or something, I don't condone and I am not happy with how they act in, in terms of like, you know, verbally abusing a store clerk. That's not cool, but I can just better understand now why they're doing that. Like, it's not just that they're a jerk. Maybe they are. That's probably part of it, but, <laughs> but they off, they're obviously afraid. Right. And so just keeping that in the back of my mind, I can at least understand a little more. And, uh, you know, it almost makes you want to go up and hug someone, but we're not allowed to do that. So, <laughs> so there was this New York times article, um, a, a different kind of angle on, uh, on what we're talking about, just really talking about the mechanics of the brain and like what's going on and why we're foggy and why we're stressed and, and all of that and why it's making us blithering idiots. Um, and so, you know, the, the article talked about uh, another podcaster actually who, um, tweeted that they got into the shower with their glasses on and just, you know, it was kind of a, Hey, look at, look at 
this weird thing I did because I'm totally scatterbrained and not able to do simple things in my life or, you know, putting the baby formula in the coffee maker, just like those kinds of things. Right. And so this article kind of got into why that stuff happens to us because we're, we're all even not in a pandemic mode when we're distracted, worried, things like that. We do these kinds of things. And so This article says, um, quote, goofs like getting into the shower with glasses on happen when multiple stressors rupture the normal mechanisms of attention and memory formation. And that feeling when your chest is tight and you're certain you're experiencing the early stages of COVID-19, that's stress too, said Emanuel Mandenberg, a clinical professor of psychiatry and behavioral sciences at David Geffen School of Medicine at the University of California, Los Angeles. When we feel threatened, we'll often unconsciously start to breathe more shallowly in order to flood the blood with oxygen, Mattenberg said. The change in our breathing doesn't get our attention, but the resulting tightness in the chest and dizziness does. Chronic stress can also cause fatigue problems, concentrating, irritability, and changes in sleep and appetite. So obviously, you know, that's kind of the the components of how this works. The mechanics. Yeah, the mechanics. Yeah. And so that kind of gives you a little window into your mind of what's going on. Um, and then the, you know, the other piece of this is just how do you deal with it? How do you like knowing this is great, but like, what do you do next? Right. So, you know, being stressed because there's a pandemic and a lockdown that's completely upended your normal way of life is very logical and possibly useful and possibly useful reaction. The extra vigilance and awareness that comes from the fight or flight response is relevant here as we try to get through this and keep ourselves safe. But when that fight or flight response is continually activated by ongoing threats we can't control, it can lead to mental and physical symptoms that make it harder to get through the day. To cope with the continuing uncertainty of this particular crisis, experts say all the typical self-care recommendations apply. Sleep, exercise, limits on alcohol, connecting virtually with friends and loved ones, meditation or other mindfulness practices have all been shown to decrease the symptoms associated with stress and anxiety. And so, and then the, just the very end of that was really about consistency. So it's not like have a phone call once a week with somebody. It's like have a five minute conversation with someone as, as frequently as you can, um, get good amount of sleep every night if you can, or most nights, not just a few times a week that the idea of, you know, just regular maintenance of your health will get you through this. Yeah. Was that the same article that said like meditating five minutes a day is a lot better than 30 minutes a week? Yes. Yeah. That, that, yeah. Trying to, trying to have whatever maintenance routines you have be more regular Mm -hmm. uh, than, than, you know, letting, letting the stress build up until you think like, well, I'll, I'll meditate on the weekend or something. Yeah. And then the last thing I just wanted to mention is, you know, they specifically point out that women are experiencing this kind of stress and anxiety at twice the rate of men. Um, even before the crisis, <laughs> women are dealing with that at twice the rate. Um, and they're saying that the effects can be even more pronounced for women. Um, women are more likely to bear additional schooling and childcare responsibilities at home during closures and to work in essential caregiving jobs that place them at higher risk of contracting the virus. So it's good to keep that in mind, um, you know, so you can help support someone um, who maybe handle her just carrying uh, an extra weight of this burden. 
And so I have one last clip to share on this topic, which which put, puts this in really stark terms that uh, I think I think there's a lot of really legitimate criticism about framing the pandemic in in war terms. Mm-hmm. But in terms of how we are personally experiencing it and to understand the mental stress we are under, that is maybe the the place where it is the most legitimate to make the yeah. comparison so that we can understand, we can come to terms with the degree to which we are being impacted right. because it, fe- you know, the whole like, oh, your grandparents were, uh, you know, cowering in basements during the blitz. And right. now you're being asked to sit on the couch and watch Netflix. Like it goes so much deeper than that. And mm-hmm. to understand the mental impacts that are happening to us will, I mean, I really, the, I mean, the point of this entire conversation is f- to get people to be more forgiving to themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Give yourself a break. <laughs> Even though the coronavirus doesn't have a modern precedent, to what would you compare its effects on human behavior and psychology? You know, I've been reading and hearing about comparisons to war. And while I haven't been, you know, in a war, I think that just the extreme upheaval and fear of the, you know, not knowing what's going to happen is sort of the, the, you know, most, which is, is extreme. There's obviously differences. You know, we are not at war. It's not like World War II and London's being bombed. But I think just that having to kind of stay in our houses, staying put, not fear of not having supplies we need, just this general unknown and extreme change that everyone's going through is, 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 you know, the most um, I can think of. Is there a psychological price to be paid for extended periods of time where people feel that or where they're just by themselves? Yeah. You know, I think this can be really challenging and difficult for a lot of people. And I think having that type of feeling really isolated, you know, a lot of people, you know, in New York, especially already, it can be, even though it's a big city, people can feel very alone. That said, it's really interesting because there's also... You know, people have a history, like say Walt Whitman of, or, you know, people will actually pay to go on a, you know, 10 day meditation retreat. So there is also something to be said that's really positive for spending time by one's, you know, spending time alone, spending time with yourself, um, having some of that isolation. We're in a time right now where it's interesting, where I think we're not used to, we're really social. We are very much about, you know, being with other people. We're at a time where we need to be more isolated, but we also, unlike Walt Whitman or unlike being on a meditation retreat, we have access to online and connections and phones and talking with people and seeing people online and video conferences. I know clients who are doing like video happy hour, you know, with all their friends from, you know, old friends from college or, um, you know, groups like AA have now turned to like a Zoom format. So not only are you just chatting with one another or texting, but you're seeing people's faces. So um, I think there's this balance where, yes, this is challenging and times alone can be detrimental, 
but we still have this opportunity for social connection. You know, the one thing we're not getting, I think, is that social um, is is touch, right? You're you're not being able to reach right. out and hug someone, and and I do think that that can be difficult, especially if you're someone living alone, um, not to have that touch. But I think we need to. I think I think you need to make sure that you are utilizing all of the tools that are out there to maintain social connection. Right. And that whole thing about isolation too, it, it is helpful, obviously, oftentimes to be by oneself, but I imagine it completely changes the experience, especially psychologically when it's forced upon you. Yeah. I think of it almost like, you know, when prisons used to put um, inmates in isolation, it was actually, you know, done away with that they were not allowed, I think, to do it post, you know, 24 hours because people could, it could cause, you know, psychological breakdowns and, and trauma. So that type of extreme isolation is not healthy. And obviously, this is an isolation that's not by choice, like a Walt Whitman. So we have somewhere in between those two extremes, while not as extreme as a prison isolation. It's also very few people are would have chosen this as an option, like, hey, let me hang out in my house for the next month alone. So but I do think we need to be aware of that, you know, reaching out, even if beyond friends for professional help, you know, this is a great time to do that as well. Right, right. And I mean, to, to that point, are there any strategies that people can use to cope with the aloneness and just the general feelings of helplessness and despair that many of us seem to be feeling right now? Yeah, definitely. And, and, and I think, you know, one of the things first is just validating that this is very real, you know, that like, and, and also that you're not alone in that. Um, this is the one time I think we could say it's not just the, your neighbors, but like everyone throughout the world is having a lot of those same experiences. I think everyone's probably seen that video that went viral of people singing from their balconies in Italy. But, you know, that it really speaks to, you know, people just want to be, you know, have that connection and have that emotional connection. So coping strategies become really important at a time like this. You know, I would say definitely utilizing all of the resources. There's even more now than ever online, online meetings. As I said, AA is now, you know, so if you're in any 12-step group, all of them have now gone online. A lot of them are on Zoom meetings, so you can actually see people's faces and talk with them. There's support groups online. There's online therapy, either through chat. There's, uh, you know, chat lines, uh, BetterHelp, Talkspace. There's crisis lines. So I would really encourage people to sort of Google that, take a look at that. I think the other thing that is a really good coping skill at a time like now is really sort of staying in this present moment. We all have a tendency to sort of future trip and catastrophize, and we're already in something that feels like such a catastrophe that our anxiety is just going to make that worse. So if you're someone who gets really triggered by the news, say, you know, give yourself a window of time to kind of catch up on the news of the day and then stop looking. You know, some people are news junkies. That's great if you don't get stressed out by the news. But a lot of people that I know I work with just kind of go down a rabbit hole and get really stressed out reading more and more information. Right. It's hard not to. Yeah. And if you're one of those people and you're noticing as you're reading it, you're feeling more anxious. That's a time to like, it's okay 
to not know every breaking news the moment it's happening. It will still be there. So give yourself a break from it. You know, take some time away from that. I would say if you haven't been someone who's explored meditation at all, I do a lot of kind of meditation and mindfulness with my clients and almost all of them have connected. There's so many apps online now. This is a great time. And I know so many people who've said like, oh yeah, yeah, I should, I should be doing that or I want to do that, but I don't have time. Well, now there's time um, and there's great meditation apps that you can do, you know, not even, some are free, some you pay for. Headspace is a big one. Calm just is another really great one that will do like a 10-day introduction, beginner meditation. And so you can do, you know, your one 10-minute session a day. And really kind of, it gives you that space to pause and kind of not get caught up. You know, the idea of meditation is that you're, we have, our brains are going to think, our brains are going to worry, our brains are going to be, you know, planning for the future. And while that's great, sometimes we need a break from it. And now finally to wrap up, we have just a couple of couple little tidbits for you that, I mean, now that a f- three or four weeks have passed, could we say that they're funny now? <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Maybe. <laughs> um, so the, the week that we went into lockdown, we had had scheduled for ourselves for a couple of months or so. Yeah, yeah, we this one we actually planned for. <laughs> we actually planned for. So, so that was supposed to be a vacation week for us. And going into lockdown, we uh, just understanding what was happening. Um, I mean, I guess what happened is was we didn't put out a regular show that week, put out mm-hmm. a bonus show, yeah. sort of explain what was happening. But of course, it didn't feel like vacation. So no, and was, you were already trying to figure out how the show was going to change and there was a lot of yeah, other so, stuff going on. <laughs> so, so you know, whatever was actually produced, it definitely wasn't vacation time. And and I was, I was technically on vacation with my other client, but like that didn't happen either because they were in panic mode and needed my help. So like, yeah, it just definitely wasn't a uh, vacation. Uh, of all. course, of course. And, you know, and, and then like the, the the fact that we are a news curation show kicked in and we really did feel uh i mean first i i thought we should ramp up but i pulled that back but thought okay at the very least we're going to keep going mm-hmm. we're gonna, we're i need to wrap my mind around this moment we are living through so we've done you know a, a few weeks now of shows and finally we are going to take some vacation time yeah. so i think i think the way that's going to work is the, the there won't be a full show this week. There will be one early next week, but uh, it, it makes more sense from the back side how production is going to be <laughs> scheduled. But I, I think what's happening is this is this week's episode. Next week we'll have a fully produced show, and uh, and, and that may be it for next week. But just. Uh, you know, we're just setting expectations here, <laughs> right? But um, understand that we are going to be taking some time off. We're mm-hmm. spreading we're spreading the episodes a little bit for logistical reasons that aren't interesting. But um, we will be taking most of next week off entirely. So that that's our uh, mental check in mm-hmm. and and uh, you know forgiving ourselves right. for doing what. <laughs> 
we should have been doing for a decade, which is taking a healthy amount of vacation time. And then, then the, the second one that I think this genuinely is funny. <laughs> And sad. <laughs> so, so, so non-members may recall that in the before times, <laughs> I was pitching membership and, and promoting the bonus shows we were doing by mentioning that I was talking to the members about a secret project. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, the hope was that people would be so curious about the secret project that they'd sign up for membership so that they get the inside <laughs> view on it. And then the entire world shat the bed. <laughs> and so that secret project is, as you might imagine, uh, got set to the side yeah. uh, for the time being. But what's funny is what the project actually was. I I'm genuinely proud of this. Yeah. It's, it's it was a, a really good idea. It's, it is a, really it good is a really idea. good idea. Was. And <laughs> so, so we're going to do a soft launch right now. And then when people are able to come out of their homes again, we'll probably do a, a full blown, mm-hmm. uh, PR launch of it. So, th- so the idea was that, uh, podcasts are seemingly easy to share, but there are, uh, a, st- a strangely high number of Hurdles. Friction points, mm-hmm. hurdles, exactly. So, I mean, f- first, the, the major hurdle f- since the beginning was people who don't know what a podcast is. Yeah. Then you got the people who have heard of podcasts but don't know how to listen. Yeah. Then you got the people who do know about podcasts and how to listen, but there's, you know, you, so you, you suggest, hey, you should check out the show, Best of the Left. Then they have to, Take all the actions of take other phones, search in the app, subscribe, make, make sure that they, you know, heard you right. Whenever I tell someone the name of the show and then they say, Oh, let me look that up. Best of the rest. You, yeah. you said <laughs> every, every single time uh, I said, no, 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 left like politics. Oh, okay. Okay. And then, but you got to type in the whole thing. Like it, it's, yeah, it's just enough of a barrier to entry that it can step it can and hold people up. Exactly. And, and so if people don't do it in that moment, because frankly it's a little cumbersome yeah. and and there's not a link they can click. That mm-hmm. that's the problem is they're in the physical world. Right. You're trying to get them to access the digital world whereas if they were already in the digital world and you wanted to click a link, that's a lot easier. Mm-hmm. So what I came up with was a way to bridge the digital and the physical worlds mm-hmm. to make it as easy as, as it has ever been to share a podcast with someone. The only trick is my idea is entirely hinged on the idea of being in the same room <laughs> as a person, preferably within six feet of them mm-hmm. so that you can <laughs> show them a, a QR code, a barcode uh, for smartphones that they can use to immediately get to where they need to go mm-hmm. to subscribe to the podcast that you're suggesting. Sigh. So the timing on that didn't work <laughs> out perfectly. The um, part B of the plan was to make stickers. Mm-hmm. And those could be put in places where people uh, congregate. Coffee shops. Coffee shops. Yeah. You know, outside school, of restaurants. Like school, Yeah. I- anywhere where people congregate in large numbers. Yeah. And, you, and you think, like, I, I bet a bunch of progressive people will hang out at this coffee shop. I'll put a sticker on, you know, on their bulletin board or on the lamp post outside. On my own laptop so someone else might see it. Yeah. E- exactly. All, all these things that 
don't make any we're sense. We're doing guerrilla marketing <laughs> campaign. We we're all ready to get in the streets and, and do it. It, it was going to be fantastic. We so, worked a lot on it. Too. We, 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 did, we did work <laughs> a lot on it. A lot of hours that went into it. Uh, so, so we're, as I said, we're doing a soft launch. If you look at your device that you're using to listen right now, I will make the image magically show mm-hmm. what will be the the show image going forward. Uh, we call it the show sharer because sometimes you want to share a show. Because because if you have a show to share, what are you going to do? You're going to use the show sharer to share the show. Yeah, and. Uh, so, so the idea is you can see there's a barcode on the screen. And when you want someone to, you know, you say, Hey, you just check out this show. In fact, just scan this code. QR code, not barcode. QR code. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It will take them right to bestoftheleft.com slash listen. And all they have to do is use the camera on their phone. So most people have the camera on their phone. That's all they need. There's no, you know, we're, we're at the stage now where. Where you don't need a special app for QR codes, just use the camera app. Exactly. So, yeah. So QR codes, they, they came out, I mean, would you say 10 years ago? A while I mean, ago. It, I don't it, know when the the original invention well, was. Yeah. But. So, I mean, they, they came out a long time ago and I thought like, oh, that's a really good idea. I mean, I have business cards that have QR mm-hmm. codes on the back that mm-hmm. can be used to you know, populate a contact mm-hmm. form. Um, and, and, you know, I made those 10 years ago or some, some very long time ago. And... I thought like, oh, these are a great idea. And they sort of waned. Yeah. People were making fun of them. They they, they thought died they, away. They, they died away. And then they had a resurgence. And now they've had a resurgence, which I was excited about. And and that's definitely due in part to the fact that smartphone manufacturers are making it part of the operating system mm-hmm. that you can just use the camera. Because before you really did need a special yeah. app. So there are still special apps out there, but in general generally speaking, you shouldn't need one. And so, so you want to share the show with someone, you just show them the show share, the show share, (laughs) and they will be taken to a mobile friendly site with every possible way to subscribe to the show and all of our social media. Like every possible way. Yeah. We did a a lot of work in making sure we covered all the ground. Yeah. I mean, so these days, Apple, Google podcasts, Spotify are the big three, Mm -hmm. but I think I included another dozen oh, yeah. options for all mm-hmm. all your third party apps that pro podcast users uh, are likely to use. Um, our we have a smartphone mm-hmm. app mm-hmm. that's linked on there, so you can download a Best of the Left app to Amazon listen. Amazon Alexa is on there. You, yeah, you uh, can all t- sorts of Pandora. Yeah, everything you can imagine. Any way you can listen to a podcast is on that page. <laughs> exactly, and so now. Uh, and it's a direct hit when you if you you if you see the app that you use all you have to do is click that that icon and you are taken almost every time with mm-hmm. very few exceptions directly to the best of the left show page exactly so the app. yeah it, it is a is a two tap subscription process mm-hmm. i part of the reason i i'm i'm so proud of it is that i think that people are going to start stealing this idea <laughs> i think that this may be a revolution in podcast sharing because <laughs> possible because I mean, people are lazy. If you, if you want people to do something, you need to make every step along the process of what you want them to do as easy as possible. Right. And if they have to be like typing in search terms to try to find a show and then say, Oh, I found, I found best of the, and then uh, 15 different podcasts that, 
Oh, what what was that show that he was talking? It was best. Right, right. It was best of the something, but I don't remember which one, and I don't know which of these fifteen he was talking about. Mm-hmm. So, uh, this, trying to streamline it, and I think you succeeded. I I, I think so too. And um, I, I, as I was saying at the time to the members, I think this is a quintessential invention <laughs> because I didn't invent anything. I just took a couple <laughs> of different pieces of existing technology and smashed them together. Yeah. And, and, and with a little graphic design help from yours truly, it, we <laughs> put something together. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So uh, my prediction is that when we are able to leave our homes again, this will uh, slowly but surely become the new standard for <laughs> for what <laughs> podcast images are going to look like. I think sharing, uh, including a QR code in your podcast, uh, you know, show image, show image logo image is is going to be such a no-brainer because it, it puts the power to share the show directly into every single hand of every listener you already have. Mm-hmm. As I said, plan B is about stickers, but there's a lot of logistics that goes to that. Mm-hmm. And of course, not everyone is going to be interested in getting yeah. stickers from the show to post them and all of that. Mm-hmm. But ev- <laughs> everyone... Ha- hey, remember when where we were going to put all the stickers? Public? In, in, at conventions. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Where, yeah. where hundreds and hundreds of people are in one room. Exactly. Yeah, we were, we were considering going to a couple of uh, conventions this year. And, and they were all canceled. Yeah. <laughs> so so that's the show share. Yeah. That, and, and that's what we were working on right before we were about to take vacation. Yeah, it's brutal. And and so in the meantime, if you, you know, you should certainly check it out, play with it. You know, if you have someone in your household you can you know test it out with i think that that would be good get ready right train yourself before before and, it's time and maybe i mean if if your arm is three feet long <laughs> and the person who you want to share the show with their arm is also three feet long then you could hold your phone oh. out to them mm-hmm. they could hold out their phone to scan it this and is, yeah it's, what I could don't be know if dr fauci would approve but <laughs> also awesome. also hold your breath while doing it right don't, right don't breathe in their face, yeah. even from six feet away. Mm-hmm. So if you want to, if you want to just do something in the meantime, if you're like, oh, I really want to share the show, but I can't use a show share right now because I can't be within um, six feet of a person and that's challenging, um, then you can go to bestofleft.com slash listen. listen. And share that link, share that link. So you can text that to people and they don't need a, you know, QR code or any of that. Um, you can post it on Facebook and Twitter and, you know, whatever social media you use. And, um, that is at least in the interim, uh, a quick and easy way to get people to that page where they can then find the app that they use or want to use to listen to the podcast and be taken almost, I mean, really directly there. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So that's that's our news. Mm-hmm. That's our, our our life and our, our mental state. We'll wrap it up there. As always, if you want to uh, chime in, either by writing to us or leaving a voicemail, you can uh, leave a message at 202-999-3991, or I can be reached directly at j at bestoftheleft.com. And I'm Amanda at bestoftheleft.com. That is going to be it for today. Thanks for listening. Wash your hands. Stay awesome.